Researchers have found that a little-known software library that's been widely used for decades by numerous companies and in many IoT products, including medical devices, has serious vulnerabilities that need immediate fixing. What are the so-called Ripple 20 vulnerabilities, and what are the potential risks to healthcare sector entities and patients? I'm Marianne Kolbesak-McGee, Executive Editor and Information Security Media Group. Today I'm speaking with Elad Luz, Head of Security Research at CyberMDX, a security research firm. CyberMDX assisted in the research that was conducted by Israeli cybersecurity consultancy JSOF that identified the Ripple 20 vulnerabilities. So Elad, the vulnerabilities affect the Trek IP stack implementation for embedded systems. Please describe what these Ripple 20 vulnerabilities involve and why are they so troubling to IoT devices in general? So the Ripple 20 is a bundle of uh, 19 vulnerabilities that affect the Trek network stack software. A network stack is the component in a connected device that is in charge of handling the network communication of that device. And there are several reasons for why these vulnerabilities are troubling. First of all, we're talking about a pretty wide attack surface. So as I mentioned, these are 19 different vulnerabilities, which is 19 different ways in which a malicious actor could attack a device that is using that network stack. And that is not the usual case in vulnerabilities. Usually a vulnerability will reside in a certain specific feature of a software component. Perhaps it will be it will depend on a certain configuration that can be disabled. Here, however, there are so many options for compromising an affected device, uh, which is causing favor of the attacker. Another thing that can be troubling is that some of the vulnerabilities have critical score, which simply means that remote code execution quite practical. Another thing I would consider troubling is that the vulnerable component here is, is basic and mandatory one, right? So as opposed to, let's say, uh, if you had a vulnerability in a browser, you would need that certain browser installed, and you would need a user to open that browser and solve the web and then be vulnerable. But once you have a vulnerability in the network stack, which is a mandatory component, you don't need to connect the device to the network and it's already in risk by then. Also, the affected component in that network stack is used by a lot of devices uh, that, that come from multiple industries. And eventually, we, that means that it affects a, a lot of devices out there. So uh, generally, these are the reasons why I would consider those vulnerabilities troubling. So, Elad, describe very briefly your company's involvement in the work with JSOF related to the Ripple 20 vulnerabilities. What sort of work did you guys do? So, as you know, JSOF has discovered those vulnerabilities, and they soon realized uh, the potential wide impact that they have. Therefore, they reached us with uh, network signatures. Network signatures are used to detect detect the use of, of that track network stack in a given network traffic. So these are like fingerprints for whoever is using uh, the track software. And we took those fingerprints and we checked our medical device lab, devices in our lab, to see whether they might be affected. We also checked those fingerprints across our uh, deployed solutions to find devices and vendors that are affected. And this way, this is just one of the ways JSOP could find new vulnerable 
uh, vendors and then contact them and allow them uh, before this public disclosure happens so that they also send. And I can say I really appreciate their decision to share this information. This is really for the best of everyone. I really hope to see more collaboration like this uh, in the future. So Elad, what kinds of medical devices, including legacy devices, are potentially affected by these vulnerabilities? And any estimates on how many of these medical devices might be in use worldwide? So regarding the numbers, specific numbers, I'm not sure for medical devices. I can say that infusion pumps for two popular vendors, B. Brown and Baxter, are already confirmed to be affected. In addition, some terminal servers are affected. Terminal server is used in hospitals to sometimes connect medical devices to the network. Not all medical devices have a direct Ethernet connection. Some, some of them connect in on the, also different protocols and terminal servers are used to bridge them to the network. And there's actually a pretty long list of vendors that are still looking into this and suspected to be to also be affected. And we're also waiting for their evaluation to realize how big this is in the healthcare industry. Well, of course, there are also IoT devices that you would not consider as um, medical, but still are critical for hospitals and their uh, medical workflow, yeah, such as uh, UPS devices, printers, or devices of this kind. So what is the potential impact of these vulnerabilities on medical IoT devices? Do they potentially pose a safety danger or a privacy or security risk to patients? Yeah, so, so speaking about medical devices, uh, the, the first thing that we think of is the, the patient risk. So, But I'm more experienced in diagnosing code, not human patients. <laughs> so I, I can't talk about a patient uh, risk, but regarding the threat, we do understand that infusion pumps um, are critical devices, and therefore we can't let them uh, get compromised. However, they are, as I mentioned, uh, they are affected and those vulnerabilities are very critical, and they, they do allow uh, the remote code execution, which is actually a, a full compromise of the device. So if a hacker or even a malicious insider was to take advantage of any of these vulnerabilities, what sorts of impact could that have? What sort of attack? What sort of result? What sort of mis- malfunction? What might happen? So remote, what remote code execution means uh, eventually is that an attacker is able to run their own code uh, that they crafted on target device. And that code can do whatever they desire that the device is capable of doing. So if they desire to perform a denial of service, perhaps shut down the device, code some of function, report false telemetry, change parameters, all those things are theoretically possible. So Elad, with this all said, how should healthcare sector entities that are using these devices and the device manufacturers address these issues? It's very important to address those issues and it usually starts by uh, checking whether your organization uses affected devices at all. And I consider this part of the handling the most challenging. It's really not a trivial task. Imagine your hospital with thousands or maybe tens of thousands connected devices, you'll now have to, have to find out whether you have certain models and 
you want to know about every one of them because even if it's only 10 devices out of those 10,000, it's now those 10 devices that are out of the weakest link. So you also have to follow the updating news because, as I mentioned, vendors are still checking whether their devices are vulnerable. And all of this work can, of course, be done automatically with solutions like ours. So after organizations are aware of which devices they have, on the network that are vulnerable, they can proceed to mitigation. So actually, there are several places that where you can read about mitigation for this vulnerability. There's also one on our site. But in short, first, we suggest reaching the manufacturer for firmware updates, and meanwhile, applying a set of firewall rules that are, as I said, available. There's also, of course, work for manufacturers to be done. They'll have to reach track to obtain the latest updated software, then that network stack that, that is passed, and then compile new firmwares for all of their devices, then contact the, the clients and uh, supply those updates for the clients. And finally, Elad, I know that you examine a lot of different kinds of medical devices. Are there certain types of vulnerabilities that you're finding? Are there certain areas that in general are kind of soft spots here for the medical devices that moving ahead manufacturers really need to be paying more attention to to make their products more secure? So generally, just as any other software product, medical devices that are on software that, that are connected to network are vulnerable to so many different kinds of vulnerabilities. But I can say specifically about medical devices, we tend to see issues that more relate to authentication and encryption. Those issues were usually handled previously by non-medical devices. What I want to say is that we have the impression that the medical devices are about 10 or 15 years back uh, in means of cybersecurity. Thanks, Elad. I've been speaking to Elad Luz. I'm Marianne Kolbesak-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.